You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and it is that time of year again when the Toronto Irish Film Festival gets underway with a great selection of films including Sea Fever which is a film by Nessa Hardiman and that will be screening on Saturday the 29th at 5pm and to get information and tickets visit torontoirishfilmfest.com That's T-O-Irishfilmfest.com Com. And you can get a full list of the movies, you can get a season's pass, or you can get individual tickets. And Nessa is here to have a chat with us. Give us a little bit of background and tell us a bit about herself. Nessa, thanks a million for taking the time and coming along for a chat. It's my great pleasure. It's lovely to be here. Um, a bit about yourself and what got you into movies. Well, that's a question. What, uh, what can I tell you about myself? Well, I'm a, I'm a Dubliner. Born and bred in Dublin, still live in Dublin. Uh, I'm also a BAFTA-winning director and writer, and I've been working in film and in uh, television drama for the last film, but I made a feature film in Irish called On Gaeilgore Nust, right. some years ago, T.G. Cahar in Ireland. Um, and uh, since then, I've worked a lot with the BBC, I've worked with Marvel, and Netflix, and Amazon, making dramas um, for the international market. This particular one is classified as horror and science fiction, but um, to cover some of what you just said, uh, what intrigues me is doing something as Gaelica for T.G. Cahar. Um, did that present a challenge in uh, how you would approach it and how you dealt with it? Um, well, Stephen and Valentine's of Gaelica, I love talking Irish. Um, I, I always want to bring um, cultural specificity into whatever I do. So, Tapiogoni and Goyga has gone on show. There's a little bit of Irish in Sea Fever as well. Um, one of the characters is uh, is a native West of Ireland man, and um, and so there's there's the, a natural sort of tendency to bring in you know little bits of the language as he's talking to his wife, who's Danish in the story, because uh, as anybody of Ireland will know, the uh, the fishing communities are, and it's kind of a dreamy emotionally grounded, devastating thriller. Uh, and it's a small trawler that's a family-run operation, but because of the declining fishing stocks off the west coast of Ireland, this, um, they're, they're living very precariously, and they have to go further and further out into the deep Atlantic to try and, um, and get the kind of cash that will enable them to pay the people who are working on the boat uh, and to keep their business alive. Um, and that's a very real dilemma, obviously, for people who are working in that industry in Ireland. Um, and what I discovered in the process of uh, it's, a, it's a sci-fi film, so there's a fantasy element in there where they come across a life form in the deep Atlantic um, that they then have to engage with in ways that are not wholly um, healthy. <laughs> right. Uh, to um, conceptualise uh, the whole story. Um, I knew it. To, um, I wanted to tell a story about uh, something that was truthful that was happening uh, and I also wanted to tell a story about um, the kind of crisis that we're finding ourselves in in relation to the climate and the, the natural world and I wanted to tell a story that valorised science and expertise because I feel like increasingly we're living in a world where um, you know, or, or I, I feel like I've seen it in cinemas quite a lot, or in, in movies quite a lot. This idea of the scientist as somebody who is um, 
you know, not entirely ethical or not entirely able to, uh, you know, take the moral view. When in fact what we're dealing with in relation to our climate crisis, which is sort of what the underlying metaphor of this story is, is that um, it's the scientific community who are looking rationally and completely objectively at what's going on in our world and alerting us to it. And it's those of us who have vested interest in, in not believing it who are engaged in a kind of magical thinking and hoping and, and wishing and just kind of willing it not to be true. So I wanted to, I wanted to kind of address that pull between science and, and magical thinking um, through the metaphor of uh, what would happen if you were in the deep Atlantic for very good reasons and came across um, a, a large life form that's been disturbed by um, by deep sea fishing. Right. And um, that you that you know. And, and 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 of course, when you talk in those terms, that's a universal stage in that you have fishing off every coast in every country, and it's a declining fish stock, and climate change is affecting the waters of the world. So your story in that sense is not in any way local. No, that's true. That is true. It's a very universal story. The other thing that, that I didn't really know before I started researching it, and I, and I really loved it, is then that, that, that idea that those, those, those Western seaboard of Europe communities are, um, are really transnational. Uh, I met a brilliant woman called Cleana Keneally, uh, who runs a boat out of Russellville, and it was the boat that, that appears in the film, is, uh, the boat that belongs to herself and her brother. And um, she introduced me to her husband, and she said, uh, my husband's a catamaran, Zena, and uh, he's Icelandic. And I said, oh, gosh, that's very unusual, because she's a kind of a rockish cleaner. And I said to her, that's very unusual, you're married to an Icelandic man. And the two of them looked at me as if I had two heads, so <laughs> usual at all. And I read her, you know, pushing off the western seaboard will know everybody from North Africa to Norway. They all know each other, and they've all worked together. And, they're, you know, the people who crew the boats are from all over the world. And, and they all, uh, you know, they go to the bars that are all on the western seaboard from Iceland up to Norway and Sweden and back down and into Spain and Portugal and, and they all hang out together and there's something really wonderful about that as well I think you know in a world that's increasingly about uh, people closing their us wanting to close our borders and you know this kind of increase in levels of nationalism that there's this whole community that goes back centuries and centuries and centuries that swaps stories and that swaps you know, recipes and ways of living and that live and die together and marry each other and have children together. And, you know, the number of different languages that you hear uh, on the fishing trawlers, it's just really... Of course, they trust each other, they trust each other with their lives because mm -hmm. they have to. And what you're talking about also is, as you say, it's hundreds of years because this is much, very much an Irish-Canadian story where you had the Irish fisheries going to uh, the... Grand Banks and um, migrating to Newfoundland four or five hundred years ago when Newfoundland Oscoelga is Talavnesk. Um, That's exactly right, exactly right. People, you know, um, uh, leaving Ireland but taking their skill set with them uh, and, uh, and working the seas on both sides of the Atlantic and of course the, the life is very similar. Mm -hmm. And the threat to the fisheries, of course, has been uh, declining fisheries off the Newfoundland coast now for a number of years and continues, and the uh, reduction of the ice cap 
and is having an effect on the waters also. So, yeah, very, very appropriate. Um, how has this been received and what kind of reaction are you getting? Because what I would say, in, I gather, is that um, um, workers. Well, I, what I wanted to do was um, I wanted to tell this story by means of metaphor. Right. Uh, in other words, sometimes it's easier to release yourself from an entrenched position if somebody tells you a, a parable, if you, if you hear a new idea in the form of a parable. So that was really where I wanted to go with this. I, when I was 13, I was 12 or 13, I went to see Neil Jordan's film, The Company Rules. And I was really struck by it on two levels. First of all, it was very exciting to think you could be Irish and a filmmaker. That was pretty thrilling. Um, but secondly, that, that he had made a film that operated at uh, you know, as a, as a kind of a story that had fantasy elements, but that also resonated at the level of metaphor, that he was using metaphor to say something deeper, to articulate something truthful um, by means of, uh, of a sort of dreamlike vocabulary. And I wanted to, I wanted to do that with the story. It's, it's very grounded, it's very truthful, it happens in this world, in a real world. It's very researched, all of the... the um, the work of the trawler is all accurate and people are all very carefully drawn rich what-if elements. It has this dreamlike element and I want that dreamlike element to be there to offer a parable, to offer a way of talking about the kind of the concrete metaphor of cinema, if you like. Um, and I think that can be a very powerful way for us to think about something and release ourselves from our own prejudices. So then, going down the road of um, horror and sci-fi, do you feel that that allows you to better represent what you want to achieve in this context? Well, you know, I have to, I have to warn people, if they think it's a horror film, it's not really a horror film. <laughs> it, has, it has nine frames of body horror. There are 24 frames a second in, uh, in cinema, and there are nine frames of body horror in this film. So if you're going thinking it's going to be a big horror movie... It's, it's not quite a horror movie. It's sort of a dreamlike, uncanny story, um, but it's more really about metaphor and character than it is about full-on horror. <laughs> but I do feel like that, um, you know, that, that idea of telling a, a metaphorical story, I hope that it's thrilling, and I hope that it's tense. It's very tense all the way through, um, but there isn't a lot of flash or gore in it. It's really about how are these people going to cope with strengths and weaknesses and how are they going to cope in this incredibly tense and very high-stakes situation? That's really what it's about. Um, and I think, you know, this, um, I've, because I'm quite steeped, obviously, as we all are, and, uh, you know, we're, we're a nation of storytellers, and we're a nation of people who um, love to tell a good story, love to communicate through language, and we have a very rich folkloric and mythological tapestry that we're all very interwoven with. You know, there's nobody of Irish heritage that doesn't know who Niamh Kinor is. And, and Niamh Kinor is, um, plays a role in this story. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's also something that we as Irish people really bring to our cinema. We're able very smoothly to move between, you know, material objective reality and a more lyrical or poetic understanding of, um, of reality. 
Uh, and we're very good at using metaphor and parable and uh, an analogy in our storytelling. It's very much part, I think, of who we are. Um, and, you know, the kind of cycles of stories that we've all grown up with, about Finn McCool and about the Red Branch Knights, all have that quality to them. Right. So, Nessa, considering this is based uh, dealing with fisheries and ocean, when it came to the pragmatics of shooting, um, were you on the high seas? We were. We were. We shot on the trawler and um, never shoot on a trawler. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was quite precarious. It was quite difficult to do. It's um, it's it's a high stakes environment. It's it's a very dangerous environment. It's I'm sorry to say, um, the working on trawlers uh, is the um, the profession that has the highest death rate uh, of any profession across uh, Ireland and the UK. It's an extremely dangerous job. Um, and filming is, you know, although, of course, every, the, the guys who run the trawler were all incredibly kind to us and, you know, only took us out when it was very calm and, you know, were at pains to make sure we were all safe at all times. Um, it is still quite a precarious thing. There, was, there, were not, there were more than one person was hanging over the edge of the boat, throwing up into the water over the first couple of <laughs> And they, that was, they were not the horror scenes. Thankfully, we did not run the camera on those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's a, certainly it's a very difficult and dangerous world. And you're out, you know, on the high seas, you're at the mercy of the Atlantic Ocean. You do not know what's coming. You know what's going to happen next. You have very little power over your environment. And also, you're stuck in a tiny space. You know, the thing that I admire most about, uh, about the fishing community is... They're, they're incredibly good at getting on with each other. And, uh, and like, possibly like all Irish people, I've, I've come to realize, um, you know, we really, really prioritize being able to, to spin a good yarn and being able to, being funny. Being funny and being relaxed and being able to tell a good story. And, and the people on the boats really prioritize that as well because if you're going to live cheek by jowl with somebody for two or three weeks, and, you know, you're never going to be more than 80 feet away from them. Mm -hmm. they, they better be good fun to be around. <laughs> well, having had a sailboat and having um, spent some time in a small confined cabin, you do need to have a good relationship with your, uh, your mates. And there, there are a lot of, I think that's where, there's a lot of um, pishogery and uh, superstition that's associated with the work. And I think part of that is just about camaraderie. It's about building relationships with people. You know, we all do the same thing. We all believe the same thing. We all feel the same way because it makes it a lot easier when you're, uh, when you're trapped like that out on the high seas and there's nowhere to go and you have to get on. Uh, you know, falling into ritual and routine is very helpful. Right. Now, you mentioned you got a BAFTA award and that was for a children's uh, movie. Uh, no, I got one for children's drama, but I also got another one yeah. <laughs> for uh, a thriller called Happy Valley, right. which screened on the BBC and on Netflix. It's on Netflix here uh, in Canada. Excellent. Um, we should wrap up because I know you are busy working in another part of the world, and I know you guys, when you work, are on a very tight schedule. And You're uh, not wrong. I'm making a big thriller for Netflix, uh, so that will be out next year. It's called Hit and Run. 
Fantastic. So to give the coordinates again, you're screening on Saturday, February 29 p.m., and that's at the Toronto Irish Film Festival, and that's at the Library in Toronto on King Street. And you get ticket information, etc. toirishfilmfest.com. And we've been chatting with Nessa Hardiman, who is the director of Sea Fever. Nessa, thanks a million for taking the time. Good evening, Margaret. Good evening, Margaret. Okay, that's... Uh,